Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening. Good evening and welcome to the podcast. We appreciate you being here. My name is Willie Lawson and uh, I. it's... It's, it's a lot, isn't it? It's a lot. And um, I'm glad you could make it today. I'm glad that you're spending your time with us. Um, we see some of the numbers that are coming in sort of scattered throughout the platforms we're on. Uh, it would do me a great favor. It would have me sleep a lot better at night. If you, if somebody, if you heard the podcast somewhere, if you would be so kind as to send an email, WLS8 to, WLS860 at gmail.com. That's WLS860 at gmail.com and let me know where you heard the show. Just, just put it in, you don't even put anything in the body. Just put it in the subject. Heard the show on Stitcher. Heard the show on Blog Talk Radio. Heard the show, uh, I, I was in the bathroom and I was playing on the music. Okay. You probably are <laughs> hallucinating then. Uh, somebody else hit you to the show. Whatever. Um, I really appreciate it. That would make life a lot easier for us over here trying to, you know, put things in the right place and do things in the right timing, putting advertising dollars in the right place and and, in the right way would really help us greatly. If you could just just slip me an email, let me know where you heard the show. All right. Um, it's before I I can see it's sort of scattered, but we're doing well. We're hitting the subjects that you want to hear about, that you want to talk about. Um, I try not to, but sometimes I just, can't help it. I try not to hit the stuff that everybody else hits. And if I hit the stuff that everybody else hits, I like to, like to hit it in a different way. I could think, talk about things a little differently than everybody else talks about, about them. Cause I want to give you, give you something to talk about. I want to give you something to think about. The wife and I on Thursday is we kind of make it our nights, uh, for me not to be on the computer, for me not to be across. And, and when I'm on, when I say on the computer, I'm across, I'm just across the room. You know, I just can't, I can't see the TV. I'm not sitting down in the same room. Uh, our house isn't that big. You know, I'm sitting, where I'm sitting now, I could see my wife sitting on the couch. Okay, so it isn't like I can't see her. It's like I can't hear her. Um, I'm, when I'm sitting in, in the recliner, when I'm, when we're, when we're sitting here on Thursday night, I'm, oh, I don't know. I, let's see, nine feet from her as opposed to maybe 20 feet from her from where I'm sitting now. But we were on our Thursday night get together, our date night, if you will, watching the book of John Gray. Um, John Gray uh, was an associate pastor at um, uh, Lakewood in Houston. And we've been watching his, uh, his reality show on own for a while because we like, we like him. We like him and his wife, um, Aventer, uh, we think they do a good job. We, th- and, and, you know, and we have been outside supporters and, and we cheer on, um, Lakewood Church and, and their mission. And both of us are, I was the praise, I'm the praise and worship, um, leader at my church. So I was in the music that Lakewood produced at the time that, um, you know, other, other people were there. And so I, we've been sort of fans of Lakewood for a long, long time. 
And um, I'm a fan of, and if we can be a fan of a pastor, maybe you shouldn't be. Maybe that's another program. Uh, a fan of John Gray and his wife, Aventur, and, and their kid, because we like what they're doing. Um, but they are leaving, um, or actually have, they've left uh, Lakewood. And I know I'm going all the way around, all the way around the, um, the, the bend to get to the story. Um, and they're headed to a church in North Carolina. But the show is back on. And one of the things they do on the, on the program is that people write them or, or call them or get a hold of them through third parties and say, we've got this problem in our family. Could you send Pastor Gray to help us with it? And he actually goes out and, and helps people. And these are all, all true stories and all real things. Uh, this case that we watched today, this, this situation today, um, there was this family, this black family, a mom, dad, two, two daughters. Um, one 14 and one little younger than 14, I think. Um, the 14-year-old had experienced um, what they, what the parents had called when they moved into this mostly white area, racism. A year ago, I mean, God, now three years ago, um, after the election, um, somebody, and she, she's like in middle school, I guess, and someone said, someone asked her if she was afraid that she would have to go back to Africa. After, this is after the, the election of Donald Trump. Um, just want to put all this in perspective. And um, so she was really upset and, and she called her mom and wanted to come home because she was really upset. Well, to her father's credit, her father said, suck it up, buttercup, deal. And um, so there was another incident a year later. Now, I'm, I, I'm, I'm listening to this because I'm really, really trying to get the, the gist of all of this. Uh, another incident, not the same person, uh, that someone had mentioned to her through Snapchat. This is during the whole Colin Kaepernick thing. So she responded to this, this Snapchat thread and somebody, somebody had said, we should have, apparently, this is, this is what they said on Snap, this person said on Snapchat, we should have hung all you niggers when we had the chance. That was the thing that was on Snapchat. And this, and this, this little girl was, this 14 year old completely freaked out. She was afraid for her life. Now I'm, I'm trying not to make fun of her. I'm trying to let you know that this, this was very serious. And she, and she was yelling downstairs to her mother, um, that she was now afraid for her life because of this, this Snapchat post. Okay. And the discussion happened between my wife and I about, about racism and the level of racism in America now and how we should approach it and basically how black families should approach it. My wife and I are in, 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 in agreement on this. That right now, and I'm going to say this, and I don't mean any disrespect for this little girl or her family, and because I don't believe it's her fault that she's the way she is, people are soft. People are soft. And our children are softer. And I mean soft. Unable to navigate the smallest of crisis without help. Completely soft. 
Now, someone posting, we should have hung all you niggers when we had the opportunity, on Snapchat is a terrible thing to say. It's awful. Terrible. Their mother should beat their ass. Wash their mouth out with soap. <laughs> I, so let's not get crazy. You know, the kid who said, aren't you afraid that you're going to have to go back to Africa now? Somebody should beat that kid's ass. A mother or a father should get their belt off and whip that kid's ass. You hear what I'm saying? So I don't want you to, I don't want you to freak out. I don't want you to, th- I, don't, I don't want you to think I'm saying or any something that I'm not saying. I want you to know exactly where I stand um, as we as we have this discussion um, t- today or this evening or whenever you listen. So I want to make sure that you, that you get it. I think that both of those statements are irreparable, you know, are, are freaking reprehensible. Said to this little girl. I also think that the um, reaction of the parents, mother primarily, and the little girl are soft. You know. So what are we doing? What are we doing to gird ourselves and our children to understand and to get through and by what may be racism? Are we are we saying to them that they should point it out at because it's hiding under every rock, or should we tell them that um, you see this 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 is for for me. Is this is everything is cut and dried for me. This this is what, what it is. You can teach your kids that people are basically good, or you can teach your kids that people suck. Now I know that the latter seems negative. I don't know that the latter seems um, terrible and awful and 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 why would and cynical and why would you do that? Well, I, you do it for a reason. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna ask some other questions about racism here in a minute, but I want to first get on to this because this is I think at the core of all of this: Are people basically good or are people basically awful? Well, my experience is that people are basically awful. The Bible says that we have all sinned and fallen fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says that we are born with a sin nature. Sin means separation from God. So, from the factory, people suck. People are awful. Left to their own devices, people will destroy themselves and take down as many people with them as they possibly can. If you look at history, if you look at some of the characters in history, you see some of the most aberrant, destructive, awful, evil behaviors that man has ever known. Well before the election of Donald Trump. Well, be- well before the inception uh, of the Tea Party movement in America. Well before slavery in America. Well before that. You, you, you can see man's inhumanity to man all over the planet. With people who were not a different skin tone than them necessarily even, but a different faith than them. Live on, on the different side of the mountain than they did. This is the nature of people. This is what you teach your children. It's a hard lesson. 
And it's tough because I think a lot of parents don't want to believe it. I think that, we, that we've been taught, told, and we've been socialized to the fact that people are basically good when what we know is that people are not basically good. People are basically awful. Are you listening to me? People are basically awful. Everything about human history has said so. Everything. And we're not talking about religion. We're not talking about Christianity being the root of the problem. Because some of y'all want to go there. Um, the fa- or, 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 or even um, Islam. There are, there are people warring with each other all over the world, doing terrible things to each other that were neither Christian or Muslim or Islam or, or Islamic. You hear me? You know, this, this gentle, savage, um, nonsense that's being taught and being pushed in the world today about, quote, the indigenous people of even this continent and how they were all peaceful and loving and sitting around smoking, you know, you know, smoking peyote sitting in the wigwam, chilling out until a white man came and taught him all this evil stuff is nonsensical. It's like this ridiculous Disney movie that was not happening or all the indigenous people on the continent of Africa were just chilling out, watching rhinos and elephants until the Dutch came and and taught them all this evil stuff and and warred against them. They were warring against each other and murdering each other all along. If there was not murder, why in the Ten Commandments thou shalt not murder in the Ten Commandments? Ten Commandments predates Everything we know in every country on, almost every country on the planet right now. Every country in its current form, for sure. Why was that part of the law? Because it's been going on that long and before. So this is really important if, if we want to figure out what we're going to teach our kids. We want to teach our kids that, that they, people are basically good, but at the very same time, we tell them not to talk to strangers. We tell them to be home before it gets dark. We tell them to not ride anybody else's car. We make sure that they don't spend the night with people that we don't know, uh, that they don't hang out with kids we don't know. On and on and on, we have this, this litany of things, this litany of things that, that we don't let our kids do. But at the same time telling them that people are basically good. We don't let them go trick-or-treating at people's houses that we don't know. We work our ass off 80 hours a week to make sure that they go, that, that they're in the right neighborhood, quote, and the right, and they go to the right schools, you know, quote, and end quote. But if people are basically good, then what's the problem? We make sure that they stay out of those, out of those bad neighborhoods. Bad neighborhood. There can't be a bad neighborhood if your if your mentality is that people are basically good. But what we know is, and what you know down deep in your gut is that people suck and they're awful and will do terrible things if you give them opportunity to. They will say terrible things if you give them opportunity to. That's what you know. That's what we know. So what we have to do first is we have to teach our kids that people suck. I went through all that to make sure that you, what we have to teach our kids is that people suck. People will do and say terrible things because there is evil in the world. 
but we must not let that affect us in any negative way. That we are built up on the end, that we need to build our children from the inside and, 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 and sort of let them know that there are only a few people who can speak into their lives and change their behavior. And you know what? And we make sure that we are very sure of who those people are. That we just don't allow anything and anybody to speak into our kids' lives. That, that, that one little, that on the, right, just on the list of things, just off the list of things that we should, that, that, that could, kids should allow to speak into their lives in any way that makes any difference is, is a post on Snapchat. Just off the page of the list is a social media post. People say some wild stuff on social media, right? There's there's a supposed anonymity, and there is no anonymity because kids are dumb. So people are are are, are likely to say any fool thing, like we should have we should have hung all you niggers when we had the opportunity. What? Moving on. Yes, terrible thing to say. Awful thing to say. But unless you are planning on, on hanging me and you're 13, so you're not, I'm moving on. I have success in my future. I have fame and fortune in my future. And you, sir, are, are bound to live in a 13, 18 foot single wide. So I, I'm not even sure why this is bothering me. Yes, people make threats. Let people know that someone's made a threat. But from, but from, from, from that, be done with it and move on. Consider the source and move on. You know, the question of racism is one that, of course, right now, the people who want racism to exist, who, frankly, I'm going to say this, and this is not going to make me all happy, but I ain't made y'all happy since, you know, what, 1987. So you'll be, I, you've been okay so far. I think you're going to continue to be okay. Um, the only people, there are people who want racism, racism to exist. The people who need racism to exist because then they can come to your rescue. They can come to my rescue. They can be my, uh, they, they could be my shield against racism. They need racism to exist. Those, those are the people who are promoting it at every turn because they need it to exist and are ready to blame anybody and ready to charge everybody with racism. We are dealing with this phrase, institutionalized racism. Nobody knows what the hell that means. That means that the institution in itself at its core is racist. Schools are, according to some, vestiges of institutionalized racism. I'm going to have a sip of this LaCroix. And while you try to figure out why that is, hang on. I love this stuff. Stuff's good. I like LaCroix. I got the natural passion fruit. Passion fruit. Um, sparkling water. It's delish. If you, I mean, if you haven't tried the LaCroix, go ahead and do that. You can get them at, um, where'd I get this? 
Oh, CVS. You can get it at Aldi's. You can get it all at uh, Winn-Dixie, Publix, Kroger. You can get it almost anywhere. Um, it's it, it's a wonderful alternative to to soda because they're um, it's not, it's um, calorie free, it's sweetener free, and it's sodium free, which is good good for me on all on all counts. Um, anyway, I was enjoying that. But, but but this idea that you that you allow people to speak into your kid's life in that, that in a way that affects them and especially their, their their damn classmates. Yes, if a student threatens to harm another student, yes, then you should say something. But it isn't that it's racist that's the problem. Is that that there's a threat? Excuse me to harm you. So we have to look at it. Is racism worse now? Than it was 30 years ago. Some people would have you believe that nothing's changed since um, the 60s. Some people would have you believe that. I say, I, I call BS on all of that. And all you have to do is look around you. You don't have to go to some university and have, have, have a study done or surveys. or, or You don't have to do that. Look around you. Look around and find how many biracial children you see. How many mixed marriages you see. Mixed marriages in um, Caucasian and, Af and African American um, and every single solitary uh, religious combination. Catholics and Jews, atheists, and people of faith. I mean, every mixed kind of marriage that you can imagine, um, creating all sorts of biracial, uh, triracial children is, is running rampant in the United States right now. Well, and, and, and it's one of the few places that are like this, like that in the world. If you go to places like um, Australia, Australia is basically all white. If you go, except for the Aborigines people there, who 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 are the indigenous people, if you go to somewhere like Sweden or Finland, where that the left holds up as these bastions of of perfection and happiness, they're all freaking white. As a matter of fact, they glow. Those folks are freaking transparent. They are so white, and there is very little, if any, immigration. To those places. Do you hear what I'm saying? The, the China. Another incredible example of a monochromatic society. Another monochromatic uh, society is China, uh, is Japan. So you look at all these, and, and now that I'm saying this, you, you, you're right now, if you're listening, you're thinking of more as well. You're thinking of more too. Um, so if you look at the United States, yes, mostly Caucasian, somewhere between uh, 11 and 14 percent black African-American, getting to be about 15 to 17 percent um, Latino or Hispanic. I hate both of those words, but now you know who I'm talking about. And, I, and I'm not just talking about Mexicans. I'm talking about Cubans. I'm talking about people from South America. I'm talking about people from the islands, um, Bermuda, Jamaica, 
uh, Puerto Rico, which is a U.S. territory, Asian folks from the con- from the continent of Asia to the people who were born here are indigenous people. Europe, Europeans, um, Middle Easterners. There's no other place like it on Earth, especially when it comes to a heterogeneous, um, multi, multicolor, multichromatic environment. So is racism worse than it was 30 years ago? Well, what was 30 years ago? Let's go back. Um, 10, let's go back 10 years. 10 years was, was 09. Um, 20 years ago was 99. And 30 years ago was 89. A year before my son was born. 19, in, in, in 1989. Well, what, what issues, what issues were we dealing with in race, with race in 1989? What we had um, was record uh, record unemployment in the black community in nineteen in 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 nineteen eighty nine. Excuse me, I was belching a little bit for my Lacroix. Ma- major issues um, still, uh, and, and 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 here's one of the articles. Um, Love slash hate New York race, yeah, and that's not what I'm looking for. I thought I thought that was thought I thought that was something else. Uh, hang on a second. I I looked something up, and I then I thought it would pop right out. Um, the New York Times wrote, wrote an article in, in 1989. A new generation of racism is seen. Um, Love, hate, New York race, a shifting, Washington Post writes a shifting racial, um, climate. Uh, let's go ahead and take a, uh, a, a look at that before we take a look at one more thing about 1989. Uh, a, a piece written by Richard Morin and, and Dan, Dan Baltz. Uh, it writes, black and white Americans say they are living, working, socializing together more than they did in the earlier decade. According to Washington Post, ABC Times poll, but most members of the two races hold market different views on the number of race-related issues. While prejudice towards blacks persists at all levels of society, the poll found, the survey disclosed that whites and blacks differ on the relative importance of racial integration and on the perception of black progress over the past 10 years. It is also found that blacks report facing more discrimination today in housing and education than blacks than blacks questioned eight years ago um, in the post-ABC News poll. The survey finds that mirrors events which offer contradictory, contradictory evidence on a state of race relations in the nation, on one hand, are signs of growing racial tension. Why? Well, based on race killings in, in Bensonhurst and Howard Beach sections of New York isolated incidents of racism on college campuses and elsewhere. Who makes these incidents these anomalies the main thing who does that what entity does that well it's the press it's people who benefit on the conflict what I said before 
it's the people who benefit from the conflict, people who need racism to exist. They need it to exist. They need racism to exist. They need, they need sexism to, to exist. They need all the isms. They need homophobia to exist. They need all, they, they must have these things exist because if they exist, the conflicts continue to go. And you know what happens? People read the paper when there is a murder. When a white person, white police officer, shoots an unarmed black person, then that's evidence of institutionalized racism. The police department is an institution that is inherently racist. That's the jump. That's the huge mental jump. Let's look at race relations in 1999, 20 years ago. Um, let's see. We'll just, we'll just pick an article. Uh, white, a uh, black white, uh, white relations in the United States, 2001, close enough, 1999. What do you want? Um, this is, this is Gallup. Gallup. You gotta love Gallup. <coughs> let's see here. This is it. This is what's interesting. Um, perceived treatment of blacks in, you know, in nation, same as whites or not. Well, um, some people think the national picture is that it, in, it was in 19 or 299 or 2001, um, that 54, let me make sure I, I get this right so I can see it. Excuse me. I'm, Getting a little old here, and it's getting a little late in the evening. Yep, I'd have got, I'd have got that plum wrong. Th back then, thirty-four percent of people says that everybody was treated, that blacks were treated the same as whites. Sixty-two um, percent of people said nope, not very well, and six eight percent of people said badly. That's the national, national picture. Now, white folks who were, um who were surveyed um, in this survey from Gallup said that um, that blacks and whites were treated about the same. 22% of the people said, I'm sorry, 33% of the people said that they were treated about the same. 61% said not very well. Still, more than half of white people said black people aren't treated very well, and only 4% said badly. Now, when they asked black people, 71% said not, we're not, that black people aren't treated very well, and 16% said badly. And only like 8% said black people and white people be, are, are being treated the same. So there is this disparity in opinion about are people being treated the same? It's hard to know, isn't it? Because everything is everything is opinion, and every piece of, of of evidence is not scientific. It's some um, somebody's got a story. Somebody's got, somebody's getting treated like crap somewhere. And why are people getting treated like crap? Because finish this sentence. People. That's right. People suck. People do terrible things to one another. Why? Because they suck. Why? Because they always have. And they always will. It is the nature of humans. Was it racist? Maybe. 
Was it just somebody being awful? More than more than not. More than not. Is racism terrible? It's awful. Alright. <clears throat> Ten years ago. Same sort of thing. But if you look around you, or a lot of us, me and you, sort of working it out on our own, is it different than 40 or 50 or 60 years ago? Are there white-only fountain water fountains in government buildings anywhere in the country? No, there are not. There are not. There are not. Are there black-only waiting rooms at bus stations? Or airports? No, there are not. Are black and white people seated together on all modes of transportation in America? Yes. Now, so, now some would say that that's not very much progress. <laughs> But to say that it isn't progress is to say that progress can't isn't is never going to be made. When the things that you never used to do, you look at cross-eyed if someone thinks that you shouldn't do it just because it's the right thing to do. Forget race. It doesn't make any difference where people sit on a damn bus. It doesn't make any difference where people sit on on, on, on an airplane or a train. That's ridiculous. That most people in America think that, that, you know, what segregated seating is stupid. Except you know who's going back to segregated seating and segregated events. The left in university, colleges and universities around the country. What would you think if you were, if you were me? I graduated from a um, predominantly white high school uh, here in Hillsborough County in 1978. 856 people at my graduation, all the black kids sat alphabetically amongst the white kids. We looked like a, a you know, a, 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 a sprinkle of pepper and a sea of salt, no doubt. This was just the numbers. We just sat alphabetically. We didn't sit together in a group. We didn't, we, we were, we were able to attend the, the same graduation as all the white kids. There was never any thought, any talk, anything about us attending another Graduation um, uh, on our own, separate from the white children, never. We attended the same prom, and I'm going to mention prom for a reason. Let me, I'll get back to it in a second. Um, we went to grad night with with all the white children. It was never even a thought that that we wouldn't that that somebody would say that that those white black kids shouldn't talk to you. I mean, shouldn't be together that way, and you know they should not graduate. Graduation is very important, and they don't think about graduation the very same way we do. They shouldn't be graduating with our kids. Were there people who thought that? I don't know. Maybe, possibly, and even to the point, yeah, I'm sure that there were. When you get that many people in a group, and you're going to find some people who are terrible. But it is, did it stop anybody? Of course not. Now I mentioned prom for a reason because my wife graduated some, some years after I did. I graduated from high school in 1978. My, my wife graduated in 1982, I think. And, um, her class in a much smaller town, much more rural, was the first year that the white kids and the black kids went to the same prom. 
I, when she told me this, I was blown away. I could just not even imagine. And then when I went to visit her town, I was, you know, where she was from, I was like, I expected to hear, I did expect, I'm going to be truthful, I expected to hear banjo music everywhere. <laughs> there was not any banjo music. But there was, it was, it, it, it seemed to be, uh, a half a step behind <clears throat> maybe some other places that I'd lived up until then. I lived here in Tampa and then I had went to university, I went to, excuse me, Florida State University. So I was in a college town, not actually, strangely enough, not very far away from where my wife is from, but it's a, a little different groove in, in a college town, obviously. Um, however, I had in college before I met my wife, I had dated a, a, a white girl and was not strung in a tr- swinging from a tree. Um, I didn't, ha- I, we didn't really suffer anything other than occasionally somebody, somebody would say something, sort of say something and then not stand up to it. But we never let it affect us. Ever. It wasn't the thing. Her mother thought that I was the most terrible person in the world. It might have had something to do with me wrecking her car twice. I wasn't a good boyfriend. <laughs> that was, I don't think her hate for me was racist. I just was a sucky boyfriend at the time. Especially <clears throat> unemployed when I wrecked her quite, her car not once, but twice in about eight months. Um, so maybe her mother didn't like me because I was black or maybe my mother didn't like me because I sucked as a boyfriend. That's my guess. My guess is the latter, not the former, <laughs> or or maybe some combination of both. But in any case, <clears throat> it, it is it is my contention that things have changed, and things have and things have changed for the better. If you look around and see what people are doing with their personal lives, if you see how people are hiring, if you walk into a place, what's the racial mix of the employees? Uh, if you go out, walk into a bank. Are there black people working in the bank? Are there black people working at the colleges and universities? Are, are, are there black people in charge of things that black people 40 years ago were never in charge of? Yes. Yes. We live in this multi-chromatic society now that wasn't nearly as multi-chromatic as it was 40 years ago. Are people still going to act out in inappropriate ways? Yes. And it goes back to what I said to you 20 damn minutes ago. Well, why is that? Racism? No, not necessarily. People just suck. And sometimes those people are racist. Not always. They're just awful. So if you teach your kids that people basically suck, they won't be surprised and they won't be shocked and they won't, and, and, and they won't be, you know, tossed off their tile onto the floor into the freaking fetal position every time somebody tweets some, something on Twitter that's mean or a, uh, awful Facebook or Snapchat post or Instagram post. They aren't, you know, they aren't hiding in the damn closet. Stop being soft. So. My last point is, should should racism have the same effect on us as it did our parents, 
our grandparents or even our great grandparents. I did a I did a show about race on Blog Talk Radio a couple months ago, and I thought I'm very very careful what I'm going to call racism in my own personal life. In my conversation with my wife on our date night this evening, uh, I, t- I said I said all the time in my 58 years. All of my adult years in the South, I have always done whatever I wanted to do that I had experience or education to do. There's nothing that I have not gotten to do. Anything that I have not gotten to do, I was stretching my experience or stretching my education. Everything that I had educate that I had the education or the experience to do, I have in fifty eight years been able to do, which is amazing. So I've lived this amazing life here in the South as a black person around some people who I'm sure were virulent racist, and I was able to not be oppressed anyway was able to do whatever I felt like doing. Pretty much whenever I felt like doing it. Saying whatever I felt like saying. Living wherever I felt like living. Are you, are you listening to me? Living wherever I felt like living. I've not had anything because of race denied me. I have never thought that one time. I'm not living in some sort of fantasy world. I'm not living in some sort of Pollyannish world that that racism doesn't exist and I don't see color. Nonsense. Of course you see color because you're not stupid. But I've never, never, you understand what I'm saying? It's never stopped me one time. Now, now you're going to ask me if I've worked for someone who's racist. I believe I have. I believe that I worked for a lady at Jocelyn's Learning who was not only racist, but anti-Semitic. I do. But you know what happened, right? After all the Jewish people in Miami got fired for one reason or another, and then all, and then a bunch of the black people in the district um, got fired, I didn't get fired. I got put on this super secret probation once um, that apparently one of my uh, our clients had called and complained, but I didn't. I wasn't told who it was, and or when it was, or what it was about. Super secret double <laughs> probation, <laughs> like from Animal, like from Animal House, right? Um, for three months, that I somehow survived by not changing a damn thing I did, <sighs> and then just a few months later. The company was sold and we all, we all got laid off. So, and I got a really good severance package. And with that and unemployment, hell, I was for, for, for four months, I made more money than I'd made working. So screw them. Didn't stop me. Didn't make me bitter. Before I go, I'm going to tell the story one more time for maybe some of you who, who haven't heard it. I've told it on every single platform. Uh, I've ever been on. I'm going to tell the story again. On the back of my right hand, um, over my middle, right over my middle finger, finger on the knuckle, there's a burn mark, scar. 
I was like 11 years old, 12 years old. I was uh, one of those kids that every Saturday, every Saturday I went to the public library downtown, the main library downtown. Got on the bus, number five bus, went down there, tooled around the, tooled around the library for hours, literally hours. Um, I'm sure some of the some of the librarians, the library workers thought I, I must be a homeless kid. I was there every I was there every Saturday, every damn Saturday I was there, and I was never there during the week. Um, I found, and I'll tell you what, you know, what'd you do? I found this special interest in plat books, and and those of you who are in real estate might remember what a plat book is. You open the book, and it's got the blueprints um, of all the neighborhoods. So you open the book and then you can sort of <coughs> find out what your house is and what neighborhood it's in and when your, that neighborhood was built. And I thought that was kind of interesting. <coughs> Excuse me. So I, I, I love that table where all the real estate books were. And I spent a lot of time there. Crazy, I know. But at the end of my library day, when it you know came time for the library to close, I think the library closed at 5 o'clock. I would leave there right before they closed or check out a book or, or whatever. And I would go to the Woolworth store in downtown Tampa. And I would, I would, you know, it's, it was five at five and dime and I'd walk around and look at stuff. I was like 11, I guess I'm 11 or 12. And I would get a payday candy bar. This is every Saturday. <laughs> when I think about how routine my life is now, I always go, well, I've always been a guy who, who had a routine and like to stick to it, to, 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 to his routine. And when my routine is screwed up, then I get screwed up. Um, so like right now, my sleep schedule is all shot to hell. Uh, and I'm not really doing all that well during the day. I'm not, I'm sleeping at weird times during the day. It's, it sucks. But in any case, um, so I've always been a guy who, who, who like routine. I would get a payday bar. You know what a pay, you know, one of those payday bars. I would never get anything else. I wouldn't get a Mr. Good Bar out of the time. I wouldn't get, I wouldn't get Baby Ruth or Almond Joy or Mounds. I would always, always get a payday bar. Just a right mix of nougat, nougat and peanuts and salt. Sweet, you know, and that salty sweet thing. I just, I, I love them. And I don't know, it's been probably 10 years since I've had one. Um, but I love those things. I got, I'd get one every, freaking week but this one week i was in one of the aisles i don't know where i was and what i was looking at and i and and i felt this hand the hand of a grown person grab me i remember y'all remember being being grabbed by a grown person as a little as a, little, as a, as a youngster when you're 11 or 12 when an adult grabs your ass they grab you by your arm you have been grabbed and you know that you're not freaking going anywhere. And I heard some woman say, that's him. He's got it. And then, the, and then I looked up and it was a Tampa police officer. And the hand that he had grabbed my hand with, my right hand with, he had a cigarette in. That's what I'm telling you. This was back in 1971 or so, 72, 71. And that cigarette had burned down to the quick. And now the flame of it was actually on just behind my knuckle. Just above my, my middle finger and was actually burning me. 
He was just holding my hand like I was he was a grown ass man. I'm I'm a little kid. He I don't know how tall he was. He seemed the guy seemed like he was seven feet tall. And he said and he and he was like, Well, where is it? This real stern voice. He wasn't even yelling. This real stern voice, where is it? And I was like I was I I I don't, I don't think I said anything. I don't I'm pretty sure I didn't say anything because I was scared itless, you know what I'm saying? Uh so I didn't say anything. He's got it. And then the woman said, uh, it's contact lens cleaner. And I swear to you, I had never seen a contact lens. I was standing there in these black plastic frame glasses. I'd worn those kind of glasses since I was eight years old. I'm pretty sure it wasn't the same set of glasses. At least I hope not. It's only now when you get older, when you really need to change glasses, um, that you hold on the glasses two, three, four, five years. <laughs> Duh. Uh, but, um, the same, I, I had these glasses on. I'm sure they these, these plastic, plastic rim glasses. Um, and I'd never even seen a contact lens. I'd never even seen one, let alone knowing that they, that they needed to be cleaned. And I would take some cleaner for what? I don't know because I didn't have any cleaner. I hadn't taken anything. And then they drug me to the back office and swore out a, a trespass warrant is what, you know, what I've, I've, after, after I got older, I figured out what they had done. They had, they had got my name and basically wrote this piece of paper, this trespass thing that said I couldn't go in the store anymore. Well, hell, I wasn't going to that store anymore. People, the people, damn people were crazy. Now, was it racism? Little black kid? Was it, did the lady just make a mistake? Did she think I took something? I didn't take anything? Or was it both? Had she, had, 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 did she have, have, have a propensity to think that black kids walk, walked into the store and took stuff? And hey, there I was, a black kid in the store. I must have been taking something. She, was she mistaken and racist? As I get older, I'm, I, 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 I move closer to that. Now, the, I guess the, uh, the off duty, uh, Tampa cop, who was there on Saturday afternoon? And I don't know if I'd seen him before or not. Was he racist? I know that I, what I do know is that he didn't take very good care of me. I was a minor. He didn't make sure that I didn't get hurt. That I'm sure of. Now, why didn't he make sure I didn't get hurt? Was it because he's a racist? Or was he just a schmuck? I could say that he was a racist son of a bitch. I know he was white. Because every cop I'd, I'd, I'd seen up until that point, except for one in New Jersey, was white. But as I got older, what I learned is he was he could have just been a crappy human being. So I've had my experiences with what what could have been racism and still have a scar. I can see it on my hand right now, right now. As a constant reminder, so. People say that I, you know what, and I, I'll tell you, I told you, I've, I've lived really a, a beautiful, charmed, blessed life. 
uh, when it comes to those kind of issues, being able to, to be with whomever I wanted to be, live wherever I wanted to live. I, I've had pretty much whatever job I wanted to have. Um, I've not made enough money as, as a 58-year-old. Um, so I've made not some great decisions on my own. <sighs> However, people, other people's racist behavior has never stopped me, made me afraid, uh, made me uncomfortable, ever. Not one time. And it, and it ain't like I'm 6'4", 240, and can bench press a Buick. Never been that person. But I've never been intimidated. Ever. I learned early. People suck. I learned early. People do terrible things. I learned early. People who say they care about you do crazily, crazy awful things. So I expect get crazy awful things from other people. I learned that lesson very early. It would behoove us to teach our kids very early that people suck. People are terrible. We live in a sinful, fallen world where people are more likely to do something terrible than something good. And why are they doing something terrible? Because they're racist? No. Because they, they're people. And people suck. But we can't let that affect us. We can't let that push us off our path. We can't. And we won't because it used to be harder and people who had less did more than did more with less. We owe it to them. We owe it to Harriet Tubman. We owe it to Frederick Douglass. We owe it to W.E.B. DuBose. We owe it to uh, Mary McLeod Bethune. We owe it to Malcolm X. We owe it to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. We owe it to those that came before us and went through the real shit to be stronger, not weaker. We owe it to them. They deserve better from us. Got to get out of here. Slate past my bedtime. So, until we see you again, go out there and learn something, love somebody, and for goodness sakes, take care of yourself. Remember, please send me an email wherever you, wherever you hear the podcast. Please let me know. Just send me an email at wls860 at gmail.com. That's wls860 at gmail.com. We'll see you when we see you. Bye-bye now. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.